We are committed to creating a safe and supportive space for our guests and listeners, and to provide information and tools that will help our listeners understand, manage, and overcome trauma. We understand that the healing journey can bring up challenging emotions. Therefore, we want to warn our audience that certain episodes may contain discussions or stories that could be triggering for some individuals. The content of the podcast is for educational and informative purposes only, and we encourage you to practice self-care and discretion while listening, and to reach out to a trusted support system or professional if you feel overwhelmed and need help on your healing journey. So Terry, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate you being on the podcast today, and I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to discuss today. Um, so before we get into that, though, why don't you introduce yourself and, and of course, share your book, and uh, then we'll go from there. Sounds good. Lisa, thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, a little bit about me. I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. I am the oldest of three boys. You can't tell this from looking at me or from my voice, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. I actually wow. went to college <laughs> on a basketball scholarship, despite having three knee surgeries in high school. I was actually the first person in my family to graduate from college. So I moved home to find a job. I'm I'm really going to date myself now, but this was long before the internet was available to help people find employment. Fortunately, I found that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain in their marketing department. Unfortunately, I lived with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mother care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. Uh, professionally, as I said, started out at Wendy's. Then I moved to hospital administration, and then I made a major pivot in my life and became a police officer. And part of what I did during my law enforcement career was I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator. After that, I started a school security consulting business, coached girls high school basketball, became an author of a book called Sustainable Excellence in 2020. But for the last 11 and a half years, now I've been battling a rare form of cancer, a rare form of melanoma. And then finally, my wife and I have been married for 30 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. Mm. Well, you have quite the life. Wow. <laughs> I'm super impressed. Yeah, super impressed. Well, okay. So I was looking at your book and I was looking at the the, um, I didn't get a chance to read it, but I was looking at the index and it was really interesting. It looks like it's a common sense book of life. That's what it kind of looked like to me and just kind of how to live your life in a healthy way. Um, I mean, that's what it looked like to me. And one of the things that you brought up, um, in to me, and I really love this and you have your four truths and I'm going to read them real quick. And then we'll, we'll kind of dive into them. Cause I think this is just really well balanced. And I think I'm going to implement these as well, the ones that I haven't yet. <laughs> so the four truths that you have, the first one is control your mind or it will control you. And that we could have an entire podcast on right there. <laughs> Seriously. I, you know, I mean, the, the, the aha moment for me in this is me realizing that I can control my mind. It's a lot of work, but we have that ability. It's yes. awesome. So number two is embrace the pain and discomfort we all experience in life. And use it to make a stronger and more resilient individual. I love that. And that's kind of what I've done. Not on, not on purpose. 
<laughs> um, what you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And I love that. So it's another way, uh, it's a beautiful way of saying, you know, when you leave someone, leave them feeling better than when you walked up to them. Yeah. As long as, and then the fourth one is as long as you don't quit, you never, you'll never be defeated. And I love that. And that's something that I've learned recently in my life is that failing is not failure. <laughs> Doesn't yes. mean that it's, you know, so, and that was, that was a mind bender for me. So let's talk about these four truths. These okay. are great. Yeah. I, I, you know, people, how did you come up with them? Well, I was actually on a podcast that the, it was your three truths. So I had to have my three truths and, and, and I ended up, you know, we, we like things in threes, you know, ABC, father, son, Holy spirit. Yeah. We yeah. just like things in threes, but I really felt that fourth one and the fourth the one I added was the legacy one, the one about what you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people needed to be there. You know, yeah. I, I think, you know, our brains are kind of wired to just do three, but I, I added a four thinking, well, I think it's important enough that we need to do that. And and I those agree. are, you know, I have them on a post note here in my office. I see them multiple times during the day. So they constantly get reinforced in my brain. And they're, I, you know, I kind of call them the bedrock of my soul. They're, just a good place, I think, to start to try to build a quality life from. Mm -hmm. And a balanced life, yeah. for sure. So let's talk about the first one. So the control your mind or it will control you. And, you know, and, and, and what I'll say about my experiences, I didn't even know you could control your mind for a good part of my life, probably up until within the last 10 years or so. I had no idea I could control the thoughts and, and, and what was going on. I just, I felt completely helpless. I just thought that, oh, I'm just supposed to take this in. And that was paralyzing for me at times. It was frightening at times. It was frustrating at times. And like I said, I felt hopeless. So let's talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I, this is a truth that I learned, although I don't, I'm not sure I understood it, but I learned it early on. I, I, when I was in high school, I had three knee surgeries. And I remember when I went back playing basketball after those knee surgeries, my brain was putting all kinds of negative thoughts into my mind. You know, things like, hey, you're probably a step slower since your surgeries and college coaches aren't going to be interested in recruiting you. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, I am still playing at an elite level and college coaches are still reaching out about the possibility of, of, of playing for their college or university. I learned that I needed to sort of change the narrative, to sort of flip the switch in my mind. And I remember reading a study that was done by the Cleveland Clinic. I don't know when it was done. And, and they were talking about our brains. And they said, on any given day, we have approximately 60 to 70,000 thoughts that yeah. pass through our minds at, at any given time. Or, well, not at any given time, but over the course of a day. And that 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts from yesterday. So they're, they're not necessarily new thoughts. So maybe on any given day, we have about 3,500 new thoughts that come our way. And 80% of our thoughts are negative. Yes. And think about yes. that. I mean, think, you know, we always revert to the negative. I think, you know, when I was in college, somebody would go out and party the night before a test. And then they come into the to the test and they're like, oh, you know, I'm hungover. I'm going to blow this test. I'm not going to do. Nobody ever comes into the test and says, hey, I paid attention during the semester. I know what I'm doing. I did great on the homework. I'm going to do great on this. Nobody ever says that. That's Everybody true. goes to the negative. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, the other thing that Cleveland said was 
that our brains operate at a speed of about a thousand words a minute and can generate enough energy to light a 25 watt light bulb. Whoa. So Whoa. it's pretty cool. You know what, what you did in, in, you know, your, your mind was telling you one thing about your knee and telling you all this fear stuff, right? Right. And what you did, which I love, and this is called self-awareness, everyone, is that you looked at the evidence of what you were doing. You looked at the evidence and you said, no brain, no, 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 no. Look at, I'm playing on an elite level. I'm doing fine. And you shut that, that thought down. That is a great example, but that's exactly what you did is you showed your brain evidence that no, 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 no. I actually am playing at an elite level. I'm not what you're trying to get me to believe. That's awesome. It, it is. And I, you know, when I had my second surgery, they took out 25 pieces of my bone. They put oh. me in a cast from my hip to my ankle. They don't do this stuff anymore. Yeah. And my doctor told me I'd never play basketball again and that I might not walk walk normally again. And it was, you know, I was like 15 years. I was still a child. I was still a kid yeah. at the time. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why should I just take the word of my doctor when I've never even tried to go back playing? You know, when I've never even tried to do this, and, and I was just like, no, I, I'm not doing that. I, I went to an all boys Catholic high school in Chicago. And one of the brothers who it was the Maris brothers, he gave me a key to the weight room. And he's like, whenever you want to come in and use the weights, come in and use. I, I mean, at least I use the weights after Thanksgiving dinner. Mom, dad, I'm going to the gym. You know, after Christmas dinner, mom, dad, going to the gym. It was, I'm not going to let this doctor tell me how my life is going to go. I want my life to be shaped based on the decisions that I make, not on the ones I don't make or the ones that somebody else makes for me. Right. That's a lot of wisdom at 15 years old. That's awesome. Yeah, I wish I was that way. I think I was. That way. <laughs> it's a lot of wisdom. Oh, I love it. And it's true. I mean, it's, you know, I'm just learning this now and I just turned 60 this year. So I'm just learning about the mind and, and, you know, like discovering that I was an overthinker. I had no idea. And again, just having that wisdom and then implementing some tools that help me to not get in that loop because my brain just automatically goes there. And I think it does it because it's trying to protect us. Oh, absolutely. It's trying to protect us and it's trying to go to that negative so that you'll find a, a problem to solve because that's what it wants to do. It wants to solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. But it well, gets out of balance. <laughs> when I'm, It does. And, and when I was growing up in Chicago, Bobby Knight, who just died, uh, used to be the basketball coach at Indiana University. And he had, he had a great, very simple, but a great saying. And his saying was, mental is to physical as four is to one. So here's this great coach teaching elite athletes to use their bodies to be great basketball players on the court. But what he was really saying with that quote is that your mind or your mindset is four mm -hmm. times more important to your overall success than anything that your physical body is going to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's, that is so true. So, so have you ever struggled with overthinking? Cause it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like you've had awareness at such a young age and was able to pay attention to this, which I love. And so did you struggle with overthinking? And if you did, have you, do you have some way of kind of overcoming that? I, I really didn't. I, I was more of a kind of react, you know, here's what I think I should do. I'm going to do it. And if it's wrong, then I'll adjust along the ah. way, you know, and I, I think a lot of people overthinking and, and you probably would agree with this overthinking paralyzes people. Absolutely. Like, I, 
I just don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. There's all these things that I could do. I can't just pick one and do it. And, and I was able to kind of cut, cut through the clutter and say, okay, you know what? I think this is the best course of action for me. I don't know if it's right, but we're going to go down this path. And if it's wrong, I can always adjust or I can always kind of come back to, you know, the starting point and, and go down another path and see what happens. So for me, it was, I guess, just being lucky to cut through that clutter. Well, see, and that's the key. That is the key right there is that you were able to go, you know what? I'm going to try it anyway. I might be wrong. It's okay. I can adjust because that is what I have implemented in my life to overcome the overthinking is that key right there is otherwise, like, for instance, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I've never done podcasts before. I, I'm, you know, I'm setting this up and, you know, going as otherwise I, like I said, I would have never done it because I would have been paralyzed with the fear. And how did so, you do it then? I guess that would be, a, a, I'm sure the audience would like, how did you do it? What, what, what got you to that? You know, it is, I, I'll tell you the, the first thing that comes to mind is the overwhelming feeling to be able to help others and putting my ego aside because all my life I, I was under the radar. I stayed under the radar and wouldn't take those chances because there was a lot of shame and a lot of fear in that. And I find, I don't know what with the, Thing that snapped that I finally went, you know, I'm tired of living like this. I am going to finally do this, but that is where I'm at is like, you know, it's not a perfect podcast. It's, you know, it's getting better with each one and I'm getting more practice. And I, I just want to get the content out there. I want to shorten people's suffering. I didn't have that, you know, when I was going through so much of my healing and it's just because it wasn't out there, it wasn't available. And so I can now do this. And if I help just one person, awesome. So that's, I think that that kind of overrode it. And I figured, you know what? I don't care what people think anymore. As far as this goes, like, I'm not going to sit and worry about, oh, I messed up and oh, I did this. And someone's going to make fun of that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit and worry about that anymore. That's what I used to do. That's what used to cripple me. That was the overthinking that I used to do. Yeah. And something yeah, and, switched. And I I, I think if, you know, Brene, uh, yeah. Brene Brown and and even Teddy Roosevelt, you used to talk, Teddy Roosevelt gave a great speech. If you've never heard it, it's called The, the Man in the Arena. And, and Brene Brown talks about the same thing. I don't really care about people who are there criticizing me if they're not in the arena doing the same thing, you know, exactly. doing the hard work, doing those things. If you're just going to sit on the sidelines and criticize, you could, you criticize all day long. I could care less what How about you say. It? Yeah, I want if you're in the arena with me, okay, that's fine. Then then maybe you have some credibility to talk to me about it. But all those people that are sort of Monday morning quarterbacking that are like, you know, you should have done this. Really? You, were you there? Oh, yeah. you weren't. Okay. Yeah, I don't really care what you have to say. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking too, because you know, at some point there's always going to be those toxic people that get on and the the trolls and the do all that. Sure. And it's like, I don't care. I don't care what you think. And they've already started kind of rearing their ugly head. And I don't I don't care. You know, I just I, what I need to focus on, and this helps me with the overthinking too, is when I start going in that direction. Cause if we don't watch our minds, that's where they go, right? If we aren't right. present. And so I just focus on what I need to do to better me, to better the podcast, to, you know, bring on good content and constantly focus on that. And I don't even have time to spend on the overthinking. Yeah. And I think what you, it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is that you have found your purpose and yes. your purpose yes. works because it's bigger than your pain. You know, it's bigger than Ooh. all these knuckleheads that are saying these things. You nailed it. Yeah. 
you know, it's like, I don't care what these people say, because I found my purpose. You can say whatever you want. You can, you can, you know, call me names. You can say that, you know, the show's terrible, but you know what, this is my purpose. And, and what you say, that pain, my purpose is bigger than that pain. Right, right. And I keep saying, I mean, I say it in a lot of my podcasts, I am making beauty from ashes, which is what God does. He makes beauty from ashes. And Absolutely. so, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I mean, I'm already getting feedback, which is great on some people that have been helped and that's awesome. So that just motivates me even more. So I think we've talked about overthinking. What do you think? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we touched on some really good stuff and there's just, I want to get to all four of these truths because sure. they're all, they're all so good. So number two is embrace the pain and discomfort we all experience in life and use it to make a stronger and more resilient individual. Yeah, this is, this really kind of goes to what we were just talking about that, that our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort mm -hmm. and to seek pleasure. So to the brain, the status quo, the way things are right now, Hey, it's comfortable and familiar. Even if it's not working for you, the brain is like, hey, we know it. It's comfortable. Leave it alone. But you know this. You figured this out. And, and I figured this out. The only way we're going to grow, the only way we're going to get better, the only way we're going to improve is to step outside those comfort zones and to do things that make us uncomfortable. My, my basketball players, when I was coaching, could probably tell you, I used to tell them all the time, you need to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, you know, they also used to look at me like, well, are you nuts? What, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand. We're all going to experience pain in life and it doesn't have to be, you know, an illness, an injury, uh, or what, whatever it ends up being. Pain is inevitable. And I wish I would have said this, that I didn't say this. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. You know, Ooh, suffering yeah. is what you do with that pain. You know, do you use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you? I love the, the quote by Ernest Hemingway, who said, life breaks everyone. And afterwards, many are stronger at the broken places. I, 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 I absolutely love that quote because I think that life does. Life breaks us all at mm -hmm. some point in time. It breaks us down. Can you use that to, to build yourself back up into a better human being? I think you and I are both examples of you absolutely can. Yeah, I love that. That suffering is optional. It really is. Yeah. And 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 you know, and I, it took me a while to kind of to live this, and I and I still, it's still something that is a. I, I'll even call it kind of a trigger for me because of my past, and I I did have a lot of pain, you know, from as far back as I can remember at a young age, and so for me, it was like, Ooh, pain. No, I don't want, you know, like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to get away from that. I don't want pain. I don't want pain. I'm trying to work really hard to stop the pain, but it's not the pain. It's the suffering. Yeah. It's the suffering. And the suffering could be me reliving it in my head and me allowing the triggers to take me over. You know, I mean, that's, that's the suffering part of it that I, that I've done. And I have, I am learning. I have already learned a lot, but I'm continuing to learn on how to manage that so that I'm not triggered by the thought of pain. Cause honestly, like I, there's a little check in me still, when you talk about pain, it's like, Oh no, no, I, I had enough of that, you know, yeah. I don't, you know, but it's the suffering, you know, the pain is in the past that's already been done and over. It's the suffering that I did all those years that I had to learn to heal from yeah. and not suffer oh. anymore. And, and that's, you know, it's like when you break a bone, it, it hurts, it's painful. But when it heals, it's stronger at that at that broken part. 
Exactly. And, and, and if you use that same analogy in your own life, when you experience traumatic pain or adversity or whatever it is, can, can you use that pain to strengthen that part of your, your mind, your soul, your being, whatever you want to call it? A lot of people can't. And I think a lot of it goes back to fear. A lot of it goes back to being overwhelmed by all the different things I could possibly do. And I can't pick one. There's a lot of reasons for it. But if you can cut through the clutter and find meaning in your pain, find a purpose in your pain, then all of a sudden you are stronger at that broken place. Exactly. Exactly. And I know for me, this, this is going to kind of sound maybe crazy, but for me, one of the switches in my head was really, truly understanding that the abuse wasn't my fault. Yeah. That sounds silly, but you know, I knew in my head for years, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, it wasn't my fault, but once I really understood it, there was a switch and then the suffering that really reduced my suffering. And it really brought clarity into my mind as, as, as how to look at stuff. And I was able to switch my mind and stop the suffering. Yeah, there's there's a, a great story. And I'm really going to date myself a little again here. So <laughs> hang with me on this. So back in 1976, it was our country's bicentennial celebration. Yes, I remember my, that. You're, okay, it was my 16th birthday. There was a U.S. gold wedding, gold medal winning Olympic swimmer by the name of Shirley Babishaw, who had one of the greatest, I think, yes, simplest quotes that I've ever heard. And she said, winners think about what they want to happen. Losers think about what they don't want to happen. You know, winners can override their negative brains and focus on the things they want to occur losers can't see the value of pursuing a goal or a dream, a, a dream. Most people will never get to where they want to be in life because they won't stop whining and complaining about where they're at. Very few people take personal responsibility for their own success and happiness. One of the biggest helps in my life was learning to be grateful about everything. And you start at the smallest thing and go from there and, and, and making it a daily practice. And now it's just a, a practice all the time. I'm, I'm every day I'm, I'm saying what I'm grateful for, but I love that. It really is. I mean, we have so much to be grateful for, no matter how much pain we're dealing with. And, you know, I've, I've had multiple amputations with my cancer. I, I still have tumors in my lungs, but I am very grateful to be here. And I, I think I'm, I'm here for a reason. And that, that mm -hmm. reason is something that's much bigger than me. Yeah. And, and that quote also brings up a point of what you're focusing on, yeah. right? Yeah. So winners focus on what, how they want it to look like they're the runners are imagining, I'm sure crossing that finish line, you know, and losers are focusing on what, you know, all the things of why they won't make it to that line. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, and so I, how does that feel? Imagine how that feels yeah. when you're sitting, focusing on, imagine winning a race or losing a race. I mean, how, imagine how that feels. And, and that's true. And, and I think you make a good point. If you can see it in your mind's eye, you know, if you can see yourself crossing that finish line, if you can see yourself overcoming that trauma, if you can see yourself building your business, you can make it happen. Mm -hmm. If you can't see it, if you can't see it in your mind's eye, it's never going to happen because mm -hmm. you've, you haven't engaged your brain. You haven't engaged your mind to make it happen. So you've got to be able to see that. You've got to have that mental picture of what 
success or overcoming adversity or whatever it is looks like to you. And, and that's, you know, that's how you de you define it, not how somebody else does. How do you define success? How do you define the fact that I've overcome this? What does that look like for you? And if you can see it when you close your eyes, you can make it happen. If you can't see it, it's never going to happen. You know, there's a story I shared on a podcast, <clears throat> earlier podcast that talks, that it addresses this very thing that happened in my life because I was always going to the negative, always going to the negative and then wondering why I felt horrible all the time, right? And so I've implemented this in my life and I have, and it is a, actually does work. And um, one of the stories was uh, last year, my husband had a health scare um, and it was, it was very scary. And it, you know, it, it can get your mind going into things, you know, going in directions that aren't good. And I was here at the house, he was at the hospital and um, I just, my mind started going real dark, real, real dark. And I hadn't been in that place in a long time. And so, you know, when you're in it all the time, it doesn't feel as uncomfortable as when you aren't in it. And then you step into that feeling. And I, I was so uncomfortable. I was pacing. I didn't know what to do with myself. And um, I, I stopped and I thought, okay, I, I've got, this is my, this is my mind going. And so I need to do something to change it. And so what I did, first of all, is I laid on the bed and I meditated for a good 10 minutes then when I was done meditating, which got my heart rate down, um, I then thought, you know what, I'm sitting here visualizing what I don't want to happen. I'm going to start visualizing what I, how I want this to look. Mm -hmm. And I went all the way out to a year out of how my husband is going to look. And you know what? It's happening. It looks that way. It looks that way. It's happening. It was really powerful. Now I'm not saying that's going to happen all the time. And, you know, even if it didn't end up that way at that moment, I was in such a bad place that I had to do something to get myself out of that. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's one of those times I talk about, I want to crawl out of my own skin and get away from myself. Cause it's so it's, it's, I didn't know what to do with it. It was, it wasn't, it was real dark. And I think that goes back to why so many people, you know, have anxiety and, you know, are seeing therapists and things like that. When I went to college at the Citadel, which was a military college in South Carolina. And one year while I was there, we had a president by the name of James Stockdale. You may or may not remember Stockdale. He was Ross Perot's running mate when Perot ran for president of the United States back in the 1980s. And Stockdale was an admiral. He was shot down during the Vietnam War, spent eight years as a prisoner of war in some horrible conditions. And I remember being at an event with him. I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time with him. He was the president of the college. I was a cadet. But somebody asked him, who survived that brutality and that torture? And he said, well, let me tell you who didn't survive. He said, people who didn't survive were the big, strong, tall, tough guys that thought that they could handle any kind of abuse or torture. And then this was interesting. He said, the other group that didn't survive were the optimists. He said, these are the people that thought, well, we'll be rescued or let go by Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter. And he said, Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter would come and go. And he said, those people would die of a broken heart. He said, the people that survived were the people that understood what they could control, which according to Stockton was basically the breathing in their lungs and the thoughts in their minds. Everything else was at the discretion of the enemy and controlled it. And I think that's where we sort of get off the rails. We start trying to control all these things that our mind is putting into our thoughts. Like, you know, oh, my husband's going to die or my husband's going to have this or oh, can I handle it? And all of a sudden we're trying to control all these balls that we're trying to juggle in the air. Figure out what you can really control in your life 
and control it and let the rest of it go because it's just going to drive you crazy. And it sounds like you figured that out. You sat, you meditated, you got your mind in a good place. Yeah. Because there was a time and I've shared this before too. There was a time when I, when I really realized for the first time that I had no control over anybody else, but myself. And I was really angry when I, when I figured that one out. I, I was, I had a, I had a, I, heard, match. Yeah. I had a tantrum. I full on had a tantrum in my living room floor. I didn't get out on the ground, but I was screaming and I was, I was not happy. And then it was, but then after I had my tantrum, then there was relief. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I had spent a lifetime trying to control everything else and I was exhausted and, and, and I couldn't. Right. And so when I could start focusing on this and that's why I say, this is when my healing really got intense because I wasn't focusing on all of that and trying to fix and control all that. I was really focusing on me and controlling this. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. great. But I did. I had a tantrum. I'll, <laughs> I'll confess. <laughs> it's kind of funny now. It wasn't funny then. <laughs> okay. So number three, and then I love this. What you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. So leaving yeah. people in a better place than when you walked up. Yeah. Basically. So I'm going to tell you a story. Um, Imagine that, right? Um, so stories. Most of us, I'm sure you you also have heard of Fred McFeely Rogers. So Mr. Rogers on his television show, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, educated so many people, including me when, when I was growing up. 2003, Mr. Rogers dies and his family is going through his effects and they find his wallet. And inside his wallet is a scrap piece of paper on which Mr. Rogers had written four words, life is for service. Mm. You know, Lisa, I think we, we tend to think that we are born empty and that when we get into life, whatever that looks like, you know, we get out of school, we kind of get into life, that our job then is to fill ourselves up. You know, I got to get a good education. I got to get a great job. I've got to make a lot of money, drive the latest car, have the best family, live in the nicest house. And that by filling ourselves out, filling ourselves up, somehow we're going to be happy and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And what I found is it's just the opposite. We're not born empty. We're born full. We're born with everything we need to be successful inside of us. We just need to find that and pull it out and use it for our benefit. So our job should not be to fill ourselves up. Our job should be to empty ourselves out with our unique gifts and talents, certainly for the betterment of ourselves, but also for the betterment of our families, of our friends, of our community, of our country. And I think the people that have figured that out, it's not about what I get, it's about what I give. Those are the people who leave those lasting legacies and who weave themselves into the hearts of other people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, because I, I tell you, there, there, was a, there was a time that um, I can honestly say that I didn't you know, I wasn't in that place where I was walking away and having someone feel better about themselves, but yeah, that has changed. <laughs> I don't even know what else that's to good. say about that. <laughs> no, that's good. I, you know, when, when I, so I had my leg amputated back in 2020, I had, I've got these tumors in my lungs. And when I found that out, I went with my wife to the mortuary, to the cemetery and, and to the church. And I planned my funeral and because I go on podcasts and I do in speaking, uh, in-person speaking engagements about motivation and the need to keep moving forward, 
a lot of people kind of gave me brushback from that. It's like, wait a minute, planning your funeral? Isn't that somehow defeatist? And I had to remind these people that the last time I checked, we're all going to die. Yep. <laughs> but we're not all going to really live. And I'll, I'll give you this Native American Blackfoot proverb that I heard years ago that I absolutely love. And it goes like this. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. That's ooh, what I want. Ooh, I love that. Oh my goodness. Well, and that is, you know, and that is what this podcast is about too. You know, it is about, you know, bringing hope to others. You know, I, I, I allow people to come on and share their stories, but the important part is that they leave everybody with hope and everybody has their own healing and growing journey. And, you know, I want to offer all these opportunities for people to share their story of how they healed. You know, mine is different than everybody else's. And, you know, when I sh share my stories of how, of how I work through something that might, you know, resonate with someone and help them. Right. So that's what this I podcast mean, is all about. And I think that's what you're not saying. I have all the answers, but what you're saying is I've been through some things and here are things that have worked for me. And I am offering them to you in the hopes that if one or two or all of them work, then take them and incorporate them in your life. I mean, that's, there's a big difference between that and I have all the answers, you know, you should listen mm -hmm. and do exactly what I, I don't have all the answers. I don't purport to have all the answers. I can just tell you I've been through some things and I've learned some things along the way that I would like to share. And, and I think that's exactly what you're doing with your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to think that I was, I had to be the knower of all <laughs> and I, I'm not the knower of all. I just know what works for me, you know, right. and, and, uh, and I love sharing it. Okay. The last one is really good too. The last one is as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And I'm probably going to slaughter her name. I'm really bad at this. But the lady who founded Spandex, Sarah Blakely, am I saying yeah, her name Sarah right? Blakely, yeah, yeah, I did say, oh, yeah, yeah. You, did. you got it right. You know, it's interesting because she shares the story that her father, every day at dinner time, they sat around the table and they had to tell a story of failure that day. And he would actually get upset if they didn't fail because it meant they didn't try. Yeah. I mean, what an interesting twist on that, because for me growing up, and of course it, it's linked in with the abuse too, but failure was just absolute shame. Just, oh my gosh, horrible. It's the worst thing to ever happen. And now I, I don't have that mindset. I'm not quite embracing failure all the time, but I certainly don't have the fear of it like I did. And it didn't, it doesn't bring shame onto me like it used to. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've always said the road to success is paved with failure. If you don't fail, you're not learning something and you're not applying it to getting towards your success. And I, 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 I've read uh, Sarah Blakely's married to a guy by the name of Jesse Itzler. And Itzler used to be part owner of the Atlanta Hawks and the National Basketball Association. He's an entrepreneur. And he, he tells a story about her that he said, you know, when she was looking to start Spanx, you know, there were things that she was good at, good at. And then there were things that she's like, I have no idea how to do this. And he always says, if she would have waited until every duck was in a row, until everything was perfect, he said, I guarantee you somebody else would have started, you know, that company with that product. And she would never be the Sarah Blakely that we all know. And he said, sometimes you just got to, you just got to like, you know what, here's what I got. I'm going to go for it. You know, I, I don't have all the answers. I'll figure it out as I go along. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Get Cut through the clutter. Yeah, I don't know anything about finance. Well, when the time comes, I'll hire somebody.
who knows something about finance. But here's what I know now. And I mean, she started Spanx with $5,000 and a prototype. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, to, and you know, 20 years later now, she's a multimillionaire with that company. Yeah, isn't she like a billionaire? I mean, it's just, you know, and she's just, she's brilliant, you know? But I mean, what a, what a, and I actually shared that story with my son because we have, he has a little boy, he's 16 months old. And um, yeah, and I, and I shared that with him and I said, you know what? I wish I would have known that when I was raising you, because it would have been a very different, I don't know. I just, it it was such a mind changer for me and just, and, and, and just liberating. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's okay to fail. Cause you know, and, and, and I think part of this is to our, our era is that it wasn't okay to fail. No, no, it was somehow, you know, you, you, you were bad, you were wrong. Right. You know, it's funny. One of the chapters I put in my book is titled, most people think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. And I know I've done that. I know I've done that in my life. You know, I want to start a business. I want to do something. Oh, wait a minute. You know, maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I don't have enough information or what will people say about me if I fail? That's thinking with our fears and our insecurities. That's not thinking with our minds. And I always tell, especially when I talk to young people, always tell them if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you believe you're supposed to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Yeah, do it. Because at the end of your life, the things that you're going to regret are not going to be those things you did. They're going to be those things that you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go back and do them. It's so true. It's so true. I know. And I, and I go back to doing the podcast and just, you know, I had the fear and I just said, you know, I did my research and I just thought, I just, I got to take the step because I have spent my life. There's so many things I wanted to do and I would start them and then I wouldn't follow through because I, you know, for whatever reason, it's usually some sort of fear. And, and this one is just, it, it is, and it is because it is my passion. It is, I do feel like it is absolutely my passion, absolutely my gift. I, I, you know, I, I, I love it. And is there fear? Yeah. Do I sometimes get off the podcast and think, oh, why did I say that? You know? Yeah. And I figured, you know what? I said that and it was really uncomfortable, but maybe that thing is going to help someone. Maybe it's going to be that statement that I, you know, just sit here going, I can't believe I said that. Maybe it's going to be that that's going to help someone. I don't know. Yeah. Nelson Mandela, you know, the the former president of South Africa used to say, I never lose. I either learn or I win. And if you think about that mentality, you know, yes, I fail, but did I learn something? You know, and if you did, then you're not a loser. You know, you, you've you just learned something. And and again, going back to what we were talking, who cares what the critics say? Who cares what, oh, you know, oh, Lisa blew that one. That was a terrible podcast or something. You know what? Did Lisa learn something? Yeah, I learned something. And can I apply that, you know, to making a better podcast? I, I mean, I'll never, my, my experience being on a podcast, I started a, a speaking gig just as, as COVID hit. And like so many other people, it's like, well, nobody's doing anything in person and they're certainly not doing anything virtually. How do I deliver my message? Mm. And somebody reached out to me and said, would you like to be a guest on my podcast? And I said, sure. What's a podcast? I was like, <laughs> I had no idea what a podcast was. You know, well, we have a conversation, we record, we put it on social media. And I said, okay, sure, I'll do that. And Lisa, when, when I did that, I literally had post-it notes all around the camera. And he would ask me a question and I would lean in and read the post-it note. I was horrible. I was terrible. I was absolutely lousy at it. But think about this in your life. The first time you did anything, the first time you drove a car, the first time you studied algebra, the first time you made a meal, were you any good at it? 
I know I wasn't, Mm-mm. but that's just it. You get better at it. And I was having a discussion with my publisher and I said, Scott, you know, I listen to every podcast I've ever been on because I want to have better stories. I want to see how many times I said, huh, or, um, mm-hmm. or whatever. And he said, no, 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 Terry. He said, it's not about being good. It's just about not sucking. And I said, well, <laughs> thanks for the title of my next book. You know, just don't suck. But I said, no, that's not what it's about. I want to be good at this. And it sounds like you do too. People mm-hmm. that say, you know, I, I want to do a podcast because I want to get more clients or I want those podcasts don't survive. The people that survive are the people like you who say, this is my purpose and I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to do the things, the ugly things, the things that make me tired. I'm willing to do that for my craft. I want to be a student of my craft. And it sounds like that's why you do this podcast. It's why I, I'm a guest on all these podcasts. I want to be good. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's what you do too. And I think when you want, when you have that mentality, well, you know what? It doesn't matter if I make mistakes. What matters is, am I growing and getting better and making a difference? Yeah, you know, and and what has been interesting for me, and because my background really is, I worked in the legal field for years, and then I worked in real estate. So there's legal in that, right? There's right. there's a lot of structure, and so very technical. And so one of the things I've had to learn, unlearn actually, is being so technical. I mean, I could sit and write a technical book at my last job. I wrote a whole manual on the whole, my whole department and it was easy. I mean, I had it done in three weeks, boom, done. But to do something creative, you know, I'm having to switch. And, and so that failure thing always is right there because it's like, oh, you're not very creative. Oh, you don't know. And I've had to literally shut that down And, and, you know, being aware that it's coming up. And then shutting it down and just going ahead and stepping out. And I'm like, well, you know, it might be messy, but I don't care. It it, it might not come out perfect this time, but maybe the next time. And with each time that I do it, I am getting better. And I am thinking of things, you know, that I didn't think of before. You know, it's funny. I I did a podcast about eight months ago with a former uh, player in the NFL, National Football League, whose brother is actually in the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we were talking afterwards and he said, you know, Terry, when I started my podcast, I didn't, I didn't think my story mattered. I didn't think anybody would listen to me. I didn't think anybody would care. And I'm like, Marcus, how could you say that? I mean, you, you'd reached the pinnacle of professional sports. How could you think nobody would care about your story, how you got there and things like that? And I think that just goes to show you that no matter how successful you are, no, no matter how influential, yeah. how important there's always sort of that little voice in the back of our minds mm-hmm. that, like you say, that, you know, that fear is just lurking right underneath the surface. What if I'm no good? What if nobody listens to me? So what? Are you going to learn something and figure it out and, and move forward? If you can do that, that's what life's about. Life's not about having all the answers. It's about the journey. It's not about the destination. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very freeing not knowing that you don't have to have all the answers because yeah. that's the way I, that's the way I live my life. I should have known. I should have known. I should have known. Yeah. And it's, I'm telling you, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's so freeing going, Oh, I don't, I, I don't know that, you know, I can look at you and go, I don't know, but yeah. I will find out. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I love this. This has been really great. And, you know, tell us again, the name of your book. The book is called sustainable excellence, the 10 principles to leading your uncommon and extraordinary life. I'm actually going to buy that book because I'm telling you when I was looking at the, um, I was looking at the uh, index of the chapters. Uh, really good, really good. Thank you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to 
buy it and sit down and add it to my books to read for sure. I'm yeah. I'm listening to two and reading one. So how about that? You sound like my wife. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting and doing my hair. I'm listening to one book. And when I'm in the car, I'm listening to another one yep. <laughs> <laughs> or a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but that you're growing. I, I mean, and yeah. I, that's another chapter in the book. Be curious, be a lifelong learner. I want to die learning. So many people just say, well, you know what? I got enough information. I'm good. I, I, I'm not one of those people. Yeah. You know, one of the wisest statements that was said to me over the last, I think it was over the last year is rather than be critical or judgmental, be curious, yeah. just be curious. And I'm telling you, that was, that was another one where it, it switched my mindset. And I was like, Oh, cause I was, I did have a critical judgmental mindset it comes from my past. And just that little, you know, that little statement made me go, Oh, and so it's been a game changer for me. It, 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 you know, and that's one of the things when I was a hostage negotiator, it, we were always taught, you know, use kind of your curious voice, you know, ooh, you know, kind of end on the, oh, really, you know, make it sound like I want to know more, talk more, speak right. more. I, I want to understand this. And, 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 and I think as police officer, if you're a good police officer, you're curious, you know, you, yeah. you're investigating a crime, you're, you're investigating an incident. Why did this happen? How did this happen? What got us to this point? And that kind of thing. So it, being a curious individual, one, it allows other people to do all the talking. So, you you know, it's like, yeah, I'll just ask you a question and then shut up. You, you do the talking. And yeah, exactly. It sort of takes you off the hook in that regard. Exactly. And you find out fascinating things about people. I mean, just fascinating things. And, and that's another thing that for me, that I've been on a journey for about, uh, it's been about seven years now of finding me, of realizing what who I am and what I like. And, and I'm surprised at some of the things that I've discovered about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, uh, I, I'll give you a kind of a funny story. So when my wife and I used to go to her office parties and stuff like that, holiday yeah. parties, I used to always say, I said, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to find five of your colleagues. I'm going to ask them all kinds of questions. I'm going to come out after the party. I'm going to be able to tell you all about them individually. And I said, on Monday morning, you're going to go to work and they're going to come to you and tell you what a great guy I am. They're not going to know a thing about me. And, you know, I always just tell that to my daughter. You want to be a great conversationalist? Ask people questions about themselves. You know, how did you meet your wife? Where did you go to school? Tell me about your kids. And so I would go into these parties and I would find five people and I would ask them all these questions. They would never reciprocate. They would not. Where did you go to school, Terry? How did you meet your wife? And that, they would never reciprocate. Right. And always Monday morning, she would come home Monday night and there's like, yeah, you're right. They all came in and was like, boy, your husband's a great guy. Because I asked questions about them. We're narcissists. You were interested. We love talking about ourselves. Mm -hmm. You showed interest. You showed you exactly. cared. Oh, that is so true. And yeah, that is so true. And I, I have found that to be true too. Sometimes I just have to step up and, and people are, are always comfortable with just opening up and sharing with me, which is great. That's yeah. fine. And so sometimes I don't even have to ask very many questions. I just let them go. Right. <laughs> They're very comfortable with it. <laughs> it's awesome. It is. <laughs> oh, well, thank you again, Terry. This has been great. I I I just love these four truths. I think that, that we all need to implement this in our life. I think it's very well balanced. And thank you for sharing it with us today. Well, thanks for having me on. I really enjoy talking with you.